Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, welcome to another edition of the well.com podcast. I'm Bo Wigington, and today I'm sitting down with two of our instructors from Canada. Y'all want to introduce yourself real fast? Yeah, so my name's uh, Shay Prasad. Yeah, we're from Canada, and we both work at uh, Algonquin College. Hey, everybody. My name's Guy Segang from Algonquin College. Uh, we're both professors in the Welding and Fabrication Techniques program. So you were telling me you all have a history because, uh, Shay, you actually went through the program that Guy teaches at. Yeah, yeah. So I graduated in uh, 2015, actually. And when I was going through, uh, Guy was one of my main teachers. Was Shay a good student, Guy? <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's a that's a loaded question. Careful. <laughs> <laughs> We're going right uh, for the good. I, stuff. I actually didn't want to. I didn't. I didn't even want to hire him. Actually, when oh god, um, it was <laughs> no, no, um, no. Shay was uh, Shay was an excellent student. You know, he. Uh, did what he was told. Um, no, he was successful because look where he is today, owning his own company. He he went through the motions properly. He was actually one of our uh, top students in the program. So super happy with him. Super happy with uh, having him as a teacher on board now at the college. And, uh, you know, why not? Why not hire a student, right? They know the shop. They know the uh, the atmosphere, right? They know college life. So it's been good. Well, and I feel like that is kind of a a natural progression that happens from welding school sometimes is that you will graduate, go out, work in the field. And then a lot of people come back to the place that they learn from to teach. How has that been for you, Shay? Yeah. So that's kind of how it happened. I started, uh, you know, in the industry right out of school and then, you know, running my own business, I, I'm lucky enough to kind of have flexibility like that. So the next thing, find something else to do and it's like hey you know might as well uh you know try something different let's try teaching so i was lucky enough to get in and uh no it's been a great experience so far i i, I love doing it it's a lot of fun and uh you know it's awesome just to you know kind of spread the uh the stoke of welding i guess how do you work that with your schedule having your own company and teaching so it's definitely tricky because uh anyone that kind of works for themselves uh knows it's a lot of hours but uh, you, you just plan ahead, right? Every every month, I try and keep track of the jobs I have, and uh, you know, just plan plan around my teaching schedule. And uh, you know, so far it's been working out. There's definitely some late nights, but uh, I make it happen. Gee, do you do welding on the side as well, or are you just full time teaching? Um, so I I did have um a bit of a side hustle. I did have a side company that I recently dissolved just because I'm. Uh, I'm now the program coordinator here at the college, but it uh, doesn't mean I don't um, dabble a bit in, in side work. Definitely something that keeps me busy. Um, you know, since recently creating videos um, for myself and for weld.com, right? But going back to the, um, you know, staying busy and it's, I think it's all about accommodating our teachers, you know, schedules because they're, 
you know, their field work or their, their main job is priority. And then they come in and, and teach a few hours. So if we can accommodate that as much as we can, then uh, we're, we're pretty blessed with that because we're, we're getting, we're getting industry, right? We're getting things that are current. So some of us that go into teaching don't necessarily have, um, you know, still a foot in industry. So it's really good to have those part-time teachers, you know, those, uh, those teachers coming in and, and bringing that knowledge back, right? Yeah, I going to say, you really kind of work around our schedule, which is nice. It's not like uh, these are the hours you're teaching. You guys always check with us, so it makes it so easy. And as far as the industry, one big question I have personally is that I know the codes are different here in America compared to Canada. Can you kind of touch on the big differences or if you see any big differences? That's probably a good one for you, Guy. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, I mean, it's, it's a bit of a distance, so it depends on which code you're talking about. When we talk about uh, structural codes, then, yeah, we adopt from, we take from CSA, so the Canadian Standards Association. But when it comes to high-pressure welding and some of the other, um, you know, specialty welding processes, we actually adopt a lot from, from the ASME code. So we bring that in, CSA brings that in from the U.S., right? And uh, we recognize all that stuff. But we have our own structural code, which is CSA 47.1, 47.2. You know, th- these are uh, structural codes for buildings and bridges, which, you know, they're, they're very similar in, in terms of testing. Shea is getting his shop certified right now, so he, uh, he knows a little bit more about that process. But the actual qualifications, they're, they're different, but, but very similar in a sense. So it's, uh, yeah, you can compare them to, to the AWS, definitely. As far as getting certified, I know down here, a lot of times you'll get hired on a job and get certified through that job. Is that the same up in Canada or does it work differently up there? Yeah, it does work the same. It's, um, it, it, it all depends as well, right? If, uh, if a shop is CWB certified, then that means that their welders need to be qualified under that, right? So our students coming out of the door, coming out of the gate here at the college, it's really good for them to have something called uh, an all-position stick ticket where, you know, if they're going to weld some pipe, it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to weld structural, but it's a screening process. It shows that, you know, they can, they can actually weld. It shows competency and it, uh, it'll open, you know, a few doors for them and, and sort of get them in. Because that's the biggest part sometimes is just getting that interview, right? Never had, a, never had an interview of a, of a position that I didn't get the job, right? Or they at least tried me out. So just getting through that screening process. All positions stick ticket. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that is? Because I've never heard of that before. So it's, it's an optional qualification that uh, if you decide to become a structural welder, it's an optional qualification. But we're a certified test center here at the college, so students have the choice. So if they decide to get into structural welding, then that's something they can do here. We do prep them through our curriculum as well for some of this stuff. Um, so we're, we're bigger in structural welding here in, uh, in eastern Canada or in Ontario where we're at. But I mean, if you were to be going to school out in Western Canada, you know, it's a whole different ballgame. You're talking uh, open route, uh, high pressure welding, things like that, right? Which is a, just a different standard, a different code. In the college, is it mainly stick or is it doing combo welding? Uh, Shay, do you want to answer that one? Yeah, sure. So we actually do, uh, 
we do all the work welding um, at our school. So we start with uh, your stick and your TIG. And then our last semester, we move over to uh, the MIG and flux core as well. So I think, you know, the idea of it is kind of coming out of the program, you at least have experience in all the different forms of arc welding. So that, you know, when you're looking for your job or looking for different industries, at least you can go into it having experience in, uh, in all the different ones. Like Guy said, we really focus on uh, structural welding for the most part. So we do quite a bit of stick, but uh, we also focus on TIG as well as MIG quite a bit. Doing work, do you do a lot of work in America or is it mainly you're just certified to work up in Canada? So I, I've only ever done work in Canada. Uh, what about you, Guy? I mean, years ago when I was uh, when I was out west, we uh, we did a, a few jobs, um, just really just supporting supporting American products. But to uh, to say that I you know stepped in the U.S. and and did work there, not really. No, we I worked for a shop where we had customers in the U.S. But other than that, no, we've got our boots filled up here. We have uh, plenty of oil and gas and plenty of uh, buildings going up, so it's uh, it's been good that way. One thing that I hear over and over and over again is that there's not enough people coming into the welding trade. Is that similar up there or are there a lot more people interested in welding? Oh, I, I would say there's there's a lot of people interested in welding. Um, it depends on who follows through with it. And the, yeah. the common theme right now since the pandemic is we're lacking skilled trade workers I'm not joking. I get an email a day from a company, whether it be, you know, um, 4,000 kilometers away or, you know, somebody, you know, a few kilometers away that are uh, looking for workers, looking for skilled trained, skilled workers, or it's not even skilled sometimes, just entry level positions that they're willing to train people. How do y'all help people start finding careers after that? Like, do you kind of start qualifying your students when they're going through the program as like, hey, you're really talented in this. This is a type of company I think you should work for. Or is it just kind of once they're out of the program, is it just kind of free reign and they can come back to you for guidance? How do you try to guide your students into careers after they complete the program? Yeah, well, I mean, we we lay it all out for them, right? We can only sort of give suggestions and uh, share our experience, right? So it's for them to sort of decide where they want to go. But our door is always open for alumni to come back and, and requalify or upgrade their, their qualification tickets or anything like that, right? And then right now we do have an optional co-op, which is uh, an added semester at the end of the program. So this is a relationship between industry and the college They've got that support. It's an extra credit, um, you know, so they can, it's a paid co-op, right? So a co-op's a work placement. We know that. And they uh, they gain experience there in that way. But there's nothing saying that they can't just go and uh, and, and get a job right out of the gate because we're, we're fairly connected as, you know, as, as big as the city of Ottawa is. Uh, what are we, Shay? A million people, roughly? Yeah, something like that. The the uh, the industry is is so tight niche. Like it's everybody knows everybody. So it um yeah we're we're in constant contact with with our uh, with our industry. We have a uh, program advisory committees, things like that. We run focus groups, you know, to improve our program. We listen we listen to industry 
on on suggestions of uh, what what we should be doing in our program and what should we uh, be covering. Shay, as someone that came through the program, what was the most valuable thing you got out of it? It's hmm, a good question. <laughs> it's a hard question. <laughs> it is. Well, it's hard because you know there there was a lot I got out of it. You know, I got well, out of the program. I had a job, right? So exactly what I went to the program for was you know to learn how to weld. I'd say the most valuable thing was probably uh, all the time we had doing stick just because our industry is so structural right now. But uh, just the fact that even before I graduated, I already had a job, you know, that, that meant everything. So, you know, all my concerns about what I was going to do with my degree were, you know, pretty much disappeared before I was even done the program because I was already working. How long does your program last for? So right now it's uh, three semesters. So it uh, goes all from September through the summer, but uh, I think we're actually shrinking it down. Is that right, Guy? Yeah. So we're um, right now we're we're stretched over three terms. So uh, a term is is roughly three and a bit. Um, it's what fifteen weeks. So one term is fifteen weeks, and we're looking to condense this and uh, and run it over a two semester, and um, it just sort of speeds the process up, and then that will open up. Um, you know, opportunity to move into maybe um, a diploma program, right? Right now we're considered a certificate program and it's, this is just like kind of ministry uh, language, but it, it all, it all falls within a certain amount of hours. So we're trying to increase the hours of the program and, and give the students more and, and better prepare them. Right. So a lot of our students, um, they, they get jobs right away. A lot of them decide to uh, to pursue this even further, you know, whether it be, you know, acquiring another skill in another trade or really just going into, you know, a technologist side or, you know, specializing in a certain area. So. Yeah, I know some guys that even out of the program, uh, they just became inspectors. So, you know, it's not like if you get this degree, you need to be a welder. Like there's so much more you can kind of do with it and branch out. Speaking of branching out, a lot of colleges are focusing on a uh, robot operator. So uh, like all the robotic welding that's starting to become more prevalent uh, just with the smaller machines. Uh, do you all have any any hands in the robotic training or is it just all still manual welding? Yeah, so our program is, is mostly manual um, operation right now. A lot of the programs and a lot of the other programs in the college right now are moving in that direction and we're moving more into manufacturing versus, you know, um, like we're, we're teaching, we're teaching students skills for jobs that might not yet exist. Right. So we're, uh, we're forever evolving and trying to, you know, to meet that, uh, those requirements. So we're, we're definitely looking into it and we're, I'm working on curriculum right now curriculum change for the program. So whether that uh, involves robotics, sometimes ministry has a, has a say in that, but we're, uh, we're definitely moving in the right direction. And Shay, you started your own company. Did you work for companies before starting yours or did you just dive right into it? No. So I, I started really slow as far as kind of getting my company up and going. Um, like I said, before I was even out of college, I had a job with a welding shop. So I worked there for about a year. And then I started, I kind of started my company, but it was more of just a side gig more than anything. 
And uh, while doing that, I continued working for different shops in the area until uh, eventually I had so much work on my own and I had to make a decision whether I was going to dial that back or I was going to, you know, go full time on my own. And, uh, you know, so I made the decision just to kind of go out on my own completely. And uh, that's what I've been doing ever since. What have the biggest struggles been for you running your own company? Uh, I'd say time management and especially in the beginning, it was, uh, just money to be honest. You know, I was, uh, right out of college. I didn't have a lot of money in my name. I just paid for my degree. I was just starting out. So, you know, I'm trying to buy tools and assets and things to, you know, be able to do the work, but you know, it's hard when you're on a slim budget. So especially for the first few years, you know, all the money that I had coming in, I was just investing back into my company. So that was uh, that was probably the hardest part. You know, a lot of days where you're just kind of eating craft dinner for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> oh yeah, the good old ramen train. Yeah, exactly. Hey, not that that's a bad thing, but uh, I think that's one of the biggest mistakes people make, uh, kind of going on their own all at once, is uh, they just they aren't ready for it. And then you know, if work doesn't come in, then uh, you know you're kind of screwed, right? Yeah, yeah. If there's no work, you're not making money. Yeah, exactly. One thing I saw while going through school that I think you both can touch on is just random people from the community coming in asking you to weld stuff. Do you get that a lot? A few times. <laughs> there was a guy that came in one time when we were in class and he walked right up to me because I guess I looked very professional in my uh, my get up for class but he came up and he was like you know how to weld can you weld this brass pot back together and i was like i have no idea <laughs> it'll, it'll only take it only takes five minutes it'll only take five minutes right yeah, it's yeah. just a quick little weld that's all it's gonna take i have every neighbor in the neighborhood i, I have a list of like five different items right now from the neighbors that just need something welded right it's uh, how do you teach your students how to manage people's expectations when they get out? Yeah, I think it comes from like this would have to come from the top down, right? A lot of times management uh, would take care of something like this. But um, and it all depends on the shop you're working in, right? A lot of what I'm noticing in, in general fabrication is that a lot of employers would rather have a mediocre welder that could put out a lot of product quick over a superstar, you know, that, that is super slow. And of course, this all depends on, on the area and the industry, right? There's, there's some areas that, that require precision uh, welding, but um, yeah, managing the customer's expectations, I think, I think it would have to come from, uh, from management, right? And um, sometimes we don't have that connection with the customer. So pleasing your supervisor, maybe. I was going to say just, uh, you know, kind of lay everything out for them. Like uh, I've had clients before and you do it for them and you give it to them and, you know, maybe they're not happy with it because they were expecting this or that or whatever. So what I've kind of learned is just be as clear and specific as possible. You know, do you need these welds grinded down? Can they stay? Is this material okay? This, that. And, you know, have everything figured out. So then if they do come back too, and it's, you know, not what they expected, you can kind of say, well, sorry, but we talked about this. How do you go about instilling a good work ethic to your students? Do you find that more students are coming in with a great work ethic? Or is there a specific thing that you're doing to try and teach them about that 
when they get out into the industry, what they're going to need to expect. I don't know about you, Shay, but the, a lot of times students come in with, you know, they've, they're, they're mature already or supposed to be mature. They're supposed to be adults, right? And they, <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, they sometimes come with their own baggage, right? And to reverse some of this in, in one year can, can be difficult, right? But we do our best to just um, instill professionalism, right, and, and demonstrate that with them and uh you know build build relationships with them that you know they they where they'll trust you enough and and maybe they'll actually listen to you right um because uh a lot of times that can be that can be very difficult but that's what employers want they these soft skills are are so important to employers today right getting their students or getting their workers to show up on time and uh show up for work and just having the right attitude so we we try and practice that like we're we're more of a training institute versus uh, you know an educational uh, environment in our program anyway right so we're we're trying to train these students to uh, and prepare them for industry right so we try and mimic that as as best as we can I think I think we had one one professor have a, a time clock put into one of our shops right where they they had to punch in and out. Um, <laughs> no, it, it, it didn't it, it didn't take off uh in the way that uh the teacher wanted but uh you know those are those are some of the things we we try and do right to, to try and mimic industry so what is the kind of trajectory for your program like if i was a brand new student i just enrolled what am i looking at to complete so the way we do it is each semester is kind of laid out for uh different types of arc welding and then the different positions to say if we're focusing on stick for the very first semester, all you're going to be doing is a flat and horizontal. And we don't lay out a time limit as much as we have certain assignments to complete. They're going to teach you the different ways to do the uh, proper welding in the flat and horizontal position. So as you kind of finish the assignments, you can move on to the next position. And then the next semester, we'll go into vertical. And then the next semester, we go over to overhead. So everything's laid out kind of throughout the year that so you're getting enough practice in each of the positions. And uh, we're kind of teaching you the different types of welds and everything. So when you come out, you should be pretty comfortable with all the positions. Yeah, we, we have these like little booklets that we, we, we give the students. So they're able to, you know, see what's coming up next. And to say like, um, okay, so you've got this flat plate that you're going to do some, some padding with uh, SMAW and you only have two weeks to do it, or you only have one week to do it. We leave that open-ended a little bit. There are some, some deadlines, some firm deadlines, but you know, everybody's moving at a different pace, right? So just because you're not picking it up uh, in, in week one and two, it doesn't mean you're not going to excel in, uh, in week uh, eight, nine, you know, in, in some of the, the upper uh, weeks of the program. Right. So. Yeah, that was, that was something that, was kind of a phenomenon that I saw through going through my program. Uh, it was set up, you know, you work through the different positions, but, you know, you could be stuck on something for four or five weeks, and then all of a sudden you just have this aha moment where it's like, oh, I finally get it. I, I understand what I'm looking for. As a student, Shay, what do you feel like you have a, a closer connection with that aha moment and how to teach it to people? Yeah, a, a little bit because uh, 
I was definitely one of those students for me, um, especially with stick, like while stick intake, I struggled so much when I first started. And, um, you know, it was one of those days where I just had that moment. It was like, Oh my gosh, you know, I'm getting it now. And for me, it was something as simple as uh, body positioning. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't propping as well as I should have. I was kind of a little too loose. So, you know, I was shaking too much and my welds weren't coming out the way I wanted it to. And one day it was the, oh, you know, it's, it's just this, this is my issue. And I kind of fixed everything. And, um, you know, with the student, it's, it's always different things. It's, you know, the positioning's not right, or, you know, maybe they're just not close enough. I've had students before that they can't see the puddle and it turns out they just needed glasses. And, uh, you know, to me, it's like anyone can weld. You just got to take the time to figure everything out. And sometimes it is going to take a bit more time. But when you do have that moment of, oh, this is how I do it, you know, you really do see people start to excel really quickly. Do you all do, is there like constant demos or is it kind of like, I'm going to show you a couple times and let you run with it. If you really need help, we'll do another one. Like how do y'all go about demonstrating the skills you are teaching? Yeah, we're, I mean, we run some pretty large classes sometimes. So sometimes we have 20 students in our in our shop at once so to do a demonstration in front of 20 of them maybe the first row of four or five students will be uh, actually you know absorbing or, or seeing what they're doing so we're actually in the process of uh of purchasing some some decent weld cameras that can be displayed up on larger screens um and even maybe pre-recorded stuff since uh you know since shay and i've been working on those arc shots it's um it's been it's been good so that's that's where we're moving to otherwise right now we're breaking up the class in you know in in four or five different groups you know and sometimes you got to do four or five different demos but that's the uh that's the nature of it right now but i think with these weld cameras it's it's really going to help out but i think going in the booth and and watching the student and seeing what they're doing is is really you know the key to identifying you know, some of these obstacles, this is a skill we're trying to teach them. It's, they're not going to gain this through telling them, right. We need to see what they're doing and then they have to experience it. So that, um, yeah, so all that, all that's going to help more. Um, you know, there's even talk of bringing the camera into each booth, you know, that could, that could take some time, but if we had a few cameras, you know, we could bring the cameras into the booth, film the, film the students welding, you know, then they can identify and see, you know, and, and replay what they're doing wrong and then, uh, you know, corrective actions, implement, implement corrective actions. And as far as I know something that people are running into with supply chain issues is material. Is material been hard for y'all to get a hold of or how's it going for you? Sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's, it's, uh, it's the price everything is gone Three times the price. what was that thing you were showing me the other day Guy, that uh, the stainless triangle they're like five dollars a piece now yeah so like four or three three coupons we call them so three three plates an inch and a half by four inches long three of those put together into a triangle stainless steel costs five dollars canadian All right so we're you know we've got a a group of 20 students doing i don't know we'll say uh minimum five five per class right that's that's a lot of that's a lot of coupons a lot of money has that affected the cost of your school yeah it's been um 
I mean, they, they're trying to project, right? Because steel does fluctuate up and down. So it has to be an average taken. But um, with since the pandemic, I mean, I don't know what it's like for, for you, Bo, um, where you are, but everything has just gone astronomical in price. Um, you know, fuel is... Fuel is like we're, I guess, I don't know if we're going to compare apples and apples, but we're in, we're in liters. So we're at like $2 and, you know, five cents per liter. So it's like just, just everything, everything has been, you know, so it, it has to, it has to reflect in, uh, in tuition raises and stuff like that. And there's, there's been small increases, but again, they, they're trying to take an average of things, right? You you said a little bit about stainless. Do y'all do different alloys like aluminum, stainless, um, or is it mainly just carbon steel that you focus on in your school? Yeah, we're starting we're starting off with carbon steel. Um, you know, the cold rolled carbon steel with tick, and then uh, hot rolled carbon steel for stick and and make. But um, into their upper level courses, we go into uh, stainless and aluminum. Um, different. Different grades of stainless, mo- mostly 300 series, right? That's your like your 316s food grade. Um, a little bit of 309 and a little bit of 308. So all your austenite, austenitic stainless steel. No titanium, huh? Not yet. Well, we actually <laughs> we have a few aerospace um, uh, shops around who sometimes donate the material, and uh, we'll 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 play around on on some of that stuff. But we haven't done that in a while. So it'd be nice to get some ink canal or some titanium in right i've done all the titanium so let me know when that happens (laughs) (laughs) as far as the relationship y'all have developed as instructors i know two of my instructors like very very close friends and they the way that they work together is very um it 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 complements each other like it's kind of like good cop bad cop type of thing uh what kind of relationship do y'all have teaching together? I don't think we like each other. He <laughs> <laughs> just sends all the uh, the troubled uh, students to me. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, just forward. It's forward on it. <laughs> no, I, I, we're actually pretty lucky. We have uh, quite a few instructors now, but we all get along super well, which is nice. So it's been good because. You know, we kind of work together as far as curriculum goes, and we all work with uh, different students. So we kind of help each other out with uh, different curriculum. And if we're having a hard time with a student, we can ask the other teacher, you know, what they're kind of doing to help. And, uh, no, ever since I started anyways, it's, it's just been awesome being able to, to work with all the teachers. Yeah, I think we covered this a little bit. We talked about this, but just that relationship and um, the fact that, you know, Shay, you've been through the program. We have two other teachers that uh, that came through the program as well, and it's it's nice to have a good variety. Um, you know, with older and new, keeps keeps things uh, fresh. And you know, we're Shay, you're able to relate to the students, right? Like, yeah, I I went to school. It's been you know, it's been a few years now, uh, you know, twenty years. But uh, it's I I just I remember having my butt in that seat and uh, you know going through it and knowing what it's like and it's uh i don't know you could call it short-term pain for for long-term gain right most of our students they they want to just be in the shop they're they're hands-on people and you know they always asking the question well what's what's welding theory right and uh 
you know, and Shay will be the first, you know, one of the first ones to, to let him know that, you know, maybe his thinking was like that too when he first came in. And, uh, you know, it's, it's evolved and there's, there's quite a bit to know. So. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I definitely would say I'm like, Oh, all about the labs and everything. But the, the big thing when it comes to the theory too, is, you know, if you know a little bit of theory, it's, uh, it makes you look a lot better than the guy next to you sometimes that, you know, can maybe only do the welding, but doesn't really know how that welds being laid down. Right. And as far as fabrication, do y'all touch on that as well? Yeah, we do a little bit right now. We're trying to kind of bring it more in to, uh, you know, kind of teach some more skills and have some more projects. But right now we do have a fabrication project for every semester. Yeah, so my shop's mostly fab work. Uh, I do mobile too. But uh, definitely when I got into the industry, it was more uh, on the fabrication side of things. I feel like that is something when I was going through school, it was kind of touched on what a fabricator was. But, you know, most people listening to the podcast know what fabrication is. But how would you explain to a student the difference from just being a welder to being a welder fabricator? Yeah, so like a welder to you know break it down as simple as possible a welder is just someone that welds right you know they may not even be doing the fitting they may not do any of the fab technically if you're just a welder all you're doing is actually putting that weld metal down uh as a fabricator or a welder fabricator it's a lot more broad you know now you're doing the fitting you're probably doing a lot more of the prep of the material you're putting everything together uh a lot of times you're going to have to be working off the drawings and everything and it's just a lot, much more broad job. You know, you're doing a lot more of uh, things outside of just welding. And in the program, talking about prep, uh, how much time do y'all s- spend teaching people how to prep material? Uh, not too much. But I think we really kind of focus on the welding for the most part. A lot of the material we actually kind of have pre-prepped. Uh, I don't know. What do you think, you? Yeah, it's, um, you know, we, we have a great technician who, uh, yeah. you know, preps a lot of our material. But, I mean, for, for us, because we're we're trying to maximize their time um, welding, but, I mean, material prep is so important. So there's, I mean, we could look at it two different ways, right? Like, we try and avoid, um, you know, having our students spend all their time just cutting up their, their material, right? So their material prep, though, whenever they're they're gathering it, um, you know, there's, there's a there's steps, there's a process from, you know, getting that drawing, um, cleaning your material, you know, getting rid of sharp edges, things like that, laying out and then fitting it up together, welding it, you know, post weld cleanup, things like that, paint or whatever. So yeah, there's, that's, that, those are fundamentals, right? Like welding is what, like maybe, maybe 10% of the, that whole process. Right. And and fabrication is is your ninety percent, right? So, uh, what what is that term like? You know, crap flows downhill. So yeah. if you got poor fit up, well, it starts with your your material prep, right? Um, especially in like with with TIG welding and and some of the more sensitive uh, process. When we get into aluminum, you know, just clean, clean, and clean, right? The three C's of uh, of TIG welding. So it's it starts in the beginning, absolutely. 
that was that was definitely one of my least favorite parts of welding school was understanding how much prep I'm going to be looking forward to for the rest of my life. Uh, so like that that was something I wasn't quite you know I feel like it is welding is kind of it's romanticized you know it's like everyone thinks about welding it's just oh man just laying beads all day and it's like nope you're gonna spend most of your day getting ready to lay down that one bead and as far as math it is very important in the welding field is that something that is is a big thing in your program or is that just kind of something you expect them to come in with uh yeah i mean they've they all need a high school diploma to get into our program but the the math requirements is what we try and do is we try and tailor it to to the trades like it's we're teaching trade math right um actually our our textbook that they're using is called math for welders which is you know it's a, it's a really good textbook but um right now as it stands we don't actually have the math the math is uh taught from a different department so we got to be in in um in communication with them because you know, you'll get a math teacher with a PhD teaching our, our students, you know, about uh, just some some advanced concepts that they're never going to be using. So we want to make sure that it's relevant, right? Everybody knows that, that feeling of being in, in class is like, when the hell am I ever going to use this, right? So let's make that, uh, let's make it relevant. And, um, but we transfer it to the shop too, right? So um, we, we, since we're, we're close to the, we're so close to the U.S., we, we adopt, um, you know, we have the metric system, but we also have, uh, you know, the imperial or standard that uh, that we use so often. So those common fractions are are transferred into the shop always. And as far as just where you see welding going in the future, like what do you see the biggest needs being from your program? Like what are you really trying to build up for as a trend you see going in the future? I think our students are like we need to prepare these our students for manufacturing jobs. That's the that's the industry. To say that you're just going to be a welder, that's you know that's that's old thinking. Um, our these positions have evolved so much, and you know the idea of a welder is no longer just that you know that raw stick welder you know burning rod all day. Like you need to be able to run machinery. Um, you know, an employer wants somebody that's versatile, that can uh, that can bounce around a little bit. So a lot of our a lot of our learners are going into dual trade. You know, um, even even three trades. You know, whatever, and they're they're crossing they're crossing each other all the time, and it's it's pretty neat to see. But that's the uh, that's the truth, right? Is that we're no longer just you're not going to, you might not even sit at the same job for the rest of your life. Like a lot of times, like my parents, you know, yeah, you know, they, they, you know, in, in their time it was, you know, you go to school, you get a good job and you stay at that job and you, you probably retire with a good pension. Well, that's not necessarily the reality in, in our trade. Yeah. Something I've, I've really noticed, you know, not just in welding is this new idea of just kind of the gig economy where you, like you were saying, instead of staying at a job for 30 years, you work a bunch of different jobs all the time. Like you kind of bounce around. And in welding, I found that to be very, very common, at least down here in the States, is that, you know, you'll start off at a shop and then you'll be there for maybe six 
to six months to a year and then move on to another one and then get another opportunity and just kind of bounce around. Is that pretty similar up there or are there companies trying to lock people down to be like, hey, you know, uh, you come work for us, guarantee us four years and we're going to guarantee you this kind of pay structure is is what what is it looking like up there? Yeah, I think it all depends. And maybe you can answer this, Shay, but just real quick, like it's, we, we have a lot of general fab shops that are, you know, mom and pop, smaller operations. Um, so, you know, to, to set out these big contracts with them, you know, it might not be feasible for them, but it's, our, our welders move around. It's, that's definitely it. Like, are, are you seeing, Shay, are you seeing the uh, the type of work change as well coming in your shop? Like, yeah, like for me, I've noticed again a lot of manufacturing lately. But um, yeah, as far as people sticking around, like especially in Ottawa right now, it's such a competitive thing. Whereas you know, shops will want to hire guys that are going to stick around for the long run. But um, it, it's hard to compete, right? You got other shops; they're so desperate, they're offering you know crazy wages, so people will go there and then they'll work there for a year and then move on to the next thing. So it's great for, uh, for, you know, people in the welding industry just looking for a job. But uh, for people that own their own shop and they're looking for employees, like, it's so competitive right now. It's uh, it's just wild. But uh, even for myself, like, I've only been in the industry for seven years now. And uh, before I just went full-time for myself, I think I worked for four different shops in that span. So, uh, yeah, I, I used to move around all the time and just you know, different experiences and you learn different things doing it that way. When you're saying that you moved around a lot, like what was the average time you would stay at those shops? I, I was doing about a year to uh, a year and a half until, uh, until something else kind of came up. It seemed like a good opportunity for me. And then as far as your own company, how do you like building your client base? Like, has it been from connections you've had or word of mouth? Like how would you go about trying to tell a student of yours that wants to break out on their own, how to start building up a clientele? Yeah. So there's two ways you kind of have to do it. Uh, the first thing is I'm sure you guys know this, but social media is so huge right now. Like if, uh, if you can get a good media going and, you know, branch out and have people follow you and whatnot, like it, it's so much in uh this day and age it's it's really everything and then the other thing is uh you just got to get out there and start shaking hands you know go out to different businesses different uh different companies and stuff that you think could use welding and shake some hands you know uh a good first impression is everything and that's kind of how i originally got my my uh contacts or anything was i just went out and started to meet people and now i'm lucky enough to be in a place where enough people kind of know who i am that I get a lot of work from word of mouth and then just repeat business from uh, bigger customers. As far as the program, like how are y'all setting people up for that mentality? Like, is there, are you doing multiple different types of projects that they're working on? Or is it, is it kind of doing repeat uh, rinse and repeat over and over until you get this one thing down and then move on to something else? Yeah, I can grab this one. There's um, there's, not, there's something we're working on right now, and that's um, like our program requires every program requires a, a will. They call it. It's a work integrated learning 
And basically that's, that's going to industry and, you know, whether that be a relationship you're doing, basically any, any sort of connection with industry and is what we're in the process of doing right now is reaching out to industry. You know, maybe there's a certain item that, you know, uh, company X is always building and we bring that into our shop and, and have our students build it and, you know, have, have multiple items like that. And then at least they're getting exposure to, uh, you know, to something that's local and something that's real as opposed to just welding another test plate or, or a coupon, right? And then the other thing we do is that, I mean, since the pandemic and COVID, um, a lot of this stuff has been shut down. But the, um, the Canadian Welding, um, sorry, the CWA, the Canadian Welding Association holds these chapter meetings. And it's a local chapter where students, uh, people from industry, teachers all go to one location you know there's there's a nice meal given and then there's a topic and there's a presentation on i don't know example hypertherm coming in and talking about plasma cutting and then students get to get to um you know network with industry they get to talk to other students other people in the industry and and just get their their name out there and just you know get their foot in so those those were were really good opportunities when they're offered I'm hoping they're going to uh, they're going to fire back up again. So coming into weld.com is a, a different type of teaching. The videos that you're working on, what type of content are you all thinking of putting out? Uh, the, the one I think uh, me and Guy are actually kind of teaming up on, which we're pretty excited about, is just doing our CWB test plates, which is uh, the Canadian standard to become a certified welder for uh, structural work because there's just not too much of it out there right now there's a lot of ews but uh as far as cwb goes there's just not too much out there so uh the videos me and gear are doing we're going to be touching on the different processes and the different plates and how to do them you know different um different tricks and stuff on how to pass it and hopefully that will kind of help people to be able to get that because it is a little different than the uh, americans what what are the biggest differences you see in in that like uh, if you were going to explain to someone the big differences in the type of testing, what would you say to them? Uh, what do you like compared to the American standard or what do you mean by that? Well, like you were saying that there's not many videos showing how the test up there works. Like what's the big differences in the testing procedure? Oh, yeah. So the way we do our plates is really similar. Uh, we have stop starts and we still bend them after see uh, if they fracture or not the big difference you guys have is your plates are made a little differently so you guys have a um, a bevel on either side for your plate tests what we have is we just have a bevel on one side and then just a straight plate on the other for like a regular fillet weld so the way we weld it is a little differently and i think our gap is actually also a little bit bigger i think so you know if uh you want to touch on that i think it's a little different well, yeah, it, it it depends on the process and material yeah. thickness, right? So each one of our qualification plates, they, um, you know, there's uh, there's description, right? Like, is it is it semi-automatic process? So is it is it a MIG flux core, metal core, um, right? Is it self-shielding flux core? Is it dual shielding flux core? So depending on the process, that that root opening and the position uh, changes. But the main thing that we do is uh, is that it's considered a groove fillet. So um, we have a backing bar with a square edge 
and one beveled edge in our in our test plate. And is what that does is it qualifies you for a fillet weld and it also qualifies you for a groove weld. So we kind of do it all in one. There's an option of of doing a separate fillet weld test, but the most common one is kind of banging those two out in one. And um, you know, and we do that for for all processes, you know, short circuit mig, spray, metal core, flux core, self-shielding, dual shielding, uh, stick, even you know, sub arc. It, it the list goes on. So yeah, there's there's a lot of different tests. So to say, is it is it different? Is the root opening different? Um, yeah, it is, but it all depends on on the the process. For sure. Thank you. As far as the troubles with testing, you know, everyone has their own struggles. But what would you say some of the most common things you see people struggle with are when it comes to testing? <laughs> their nerves, maybe. <laughs> Well, it's, yeah. you're, you're welding a six-inch plate, and you're welding one of them. you got 45 minutes to do it, right? So the, the fact of the matter is that that's the test, and that's, that's how we test. So we have to accept that. But is it really testing somebody's ability, right, to, to weld six inches, right, and, and one shot? So sometimes it's, you know, it can be a stressful thing. Um, they, there is an added fee usually. If you're doing it on your own, um, if you're working for a company, then, you know, a lot of times the company will, will flip that bill, but, uh, we're looking at $150 a plate, right. And for, for one, for one process on one type of, um, material, you're looking at, you know, upwards of $500. So it can, it can get pricey. So yeah, you're, you're, you're stressed out. Your, you know, money is an issue. You don't want to fail. Right. And then there's a criteria. Right. So you're allowed uh, there's a tolerance to if you're if your plates open up. So then is it you know, you're questioning because the inspector has to come back and 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 visualize these or uh, I should say just examine these visually. And then so the whole time you're wondering, hey, did my plate pass or not? So I would say uh, calm down, you know, let the welding gods uh, you know, do their job and um it's uh, it's it's the process. That's that's what we have, right? That's just what we do. So, do y'all have anything coming out soon on weld.com? Yeah, we're doing a whole series on welder qualification right now. So there's uh, to start with, there's six part series. So starting with an overview. Um, yeah, Shay, you're doing the certify your company, right? So yep. that's coming out, and then I think there's a, a few other ones. I did one on a on a cold chisel, so uh, that should be uh, that should be interesting. Looking forward to that. Well, I look forward to seeing more from both of you. I just want to say thanks again so much for coming on the show today and can't wait to see what y'all put out. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Weld.com podcast. I'm Bo Wigington, and until next week, we'll see you out there.